he was at the pinnacle of the sport, but in reality, being Tiger Woods had taken its toll. He said to me, I think I'm going to give up golf and I'm going to get in the Navy SEALs. That adrenaline rush, it becomes like a drug and you're looking for that next hit. For the squeakiest celebrity on earth, that spelled trouble. Here he was in my bed and he was my tiger. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Welcome to TV Concierge. My name is Chris Ryan. I'm an editor at TheRinger.com. And joining me today to talk about the second part of HBO's Tiger documentary is another editor at TheRinger.com. It's Megan Schuster. Hi, Megan. Hi, Chris. How are you? Great. Megan edits all of our golf content, pretty much. She also writes some um, of our content. Yeah, I th- yeah. I think for the most part. And mm-hmm. is a amateur tigerologist, I think. Yes. And uh, she joins me today to talk about the fall and rise of Tiger Woods, which is sort of what's documented in the second episode. So last week, Kevin Clark and I talked about the first episode. And this episode, the second one, covers mostly the really darkest days of Tiger Woods from his uh, multiple back surgeries and uh, leg injuries to his multiple extramarital affairs and uh, dalliances with pills and arrests and then kind of culminates with his return to glory at the Masters. Megan, I want to get like your thoughts on the the entire project. You know, because one mm-hmm. thing that Kevin Clark and I talked a lot about was whether or not this felt like too much of a tease. That Tiger is obviously somebody who needs the ten hour last dance right. treatment. What did what did you think of this after watching both episodes? So, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts, but I think my overarching one that. Uh, I kind of strung throughout both episodes was it felt too soon to me to do Mm. something like this with tiger. Like I know that's going to get a lot of last dance comparisons and, you know, kind of rightly so, but the benefit of the last dance was that we had time away from Michael Jordan to think about his legend to kind of come to terms with who he was as a player and outside of the sport and then kind of go back in and hear his perspective. And I think the thing that bothered me with this is that because Tiger is still playing, because he is still, you know, trying to win majors and all that, like we didn't really hear from anyone who is still in his life. We just hear from people who used to be in his life. And so to me, it kind of felt like this could have benefited from a little bit more time for Tiger to stop being Tiger. And then for us to really be able to get into that nitty gritty without it feeling like it kind of just happened. But 
overall, I think this project definitely had its high moments. Like I think it really tried to dig into the emotional side of like, who is Tiger Woods, which we don't normally get to see from stuff. And um, so in that realm, I liked it, but uh, I did kind of feel like I would have preferred to see something like this maybe 10 years from now versus today. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't help, I don't know why I sound like Carrie Bradshaw. I was going to say, I couldn't help but wonder. But I, I, there was a moment at the end of the second episode where they're talking about the 2019 Masters. And there's that footage of Tiger and Francesco Molinari. And they're, mm-hmm. they're teeing off. And Armin Katan is talking about how all these guys had said that they wanted a piece of Tiger on Sunday. And then Armin Katan goes, the fuck you do. Yeah, that was an incredible line. And I was like, that should have been a documentary. This should have mm-hmm. that that like that level of intensity, but also just like it felt more tied to a moment and it felt more about like the complete Tiger Woods that I wanted to hear about. Now, yeah, that's also the myth making. I thought that this this whole thing had like a lot of really good ideas. Like I thought obviously it tried to interrogate his relationship with his father in the first one, then his father dies towards the end of the first episode. And then the second episode is really about how this guy who was built up by the sports media industrial complex was then torn down by the media industrial complex. And even that stuff with the National Enquirer was kind of fascinating. The idea that they did a catch and release on him, that they were basically like following him and Rachel Ucatel around waiting for them to slip up. All that stuff was kind of fascinating. It just felt like that because there's this really limited select group of people talking for it, I felt like I wasn't really getting the full story. I was only getting the people who were willing to talk. Yes, I think, and I agree with you. I think that was my biggest issue or second biggest issue with it was that, you know, for good reason, Tiger's mom is not in this. Elon is not in this. Tiger himself is not in this. No one who is still today around Tiger participated. And so in some respects, it felt a little bit like, you know, jilted lovers kind of coming out of the woodwork, like, you know, former caddies, former friends, former, you know, whoever who is in his life. And it's like, it made it kind of a tough pill for me to swallow because it didn't really feel like any of the narrator's motives were necessarily super trustworthy. Yeah. I mean, you get, I think Dina Parr in the first episode, his first girlfriend is the person who has the most kind of context around her participation. And there's obviously a pattern in Tiger's life of him discarding people after a while, you know, whether or not because he feels like he, he can't trust them or whether it's just because he decides that he needs to compartmentalize, which is a key thing that he tells Rachel Ucatel at one point when she's like, I love you and I just want to spend all my time with you. And he's just like, you need to put that in a box. <laughs> Imagine not- having that reaction to telling someone that you love them and have them be like, you're just not compartmentalizing well enough. Yeah, I mean... Shocking. So, how, how well do you actually remember the Ucatel days? Um, so I was in high school at the time. And so I, I vividly remember that thanks the day after Thanksgiving yeah. and all of that starting to come out. And because of the car crash, because of, um, you know, the rumor that Elon was chasing him with down with his own golf clubs, like all of that kind of stuff. I like vividly remembered, but I didn't remember how kind of deep it went with, with Rachel and how, I mean, I guess I couldn't have, cause this is really the first time she's kind of fully opened up about it. Yeah. But, uh, I was, I was definitely shielded from it a little bit more from like, you know, seeing all, seeing all those like talk show clips and stuff of like, 
you know, having the counter of how many mistresses had come forward and stuff like that. I wasn't a part of that kind of culture of it, but I I do remember that Thanksgiving, that post Thanksgiving morning, just waking up stunned to see what was coming out. It was such a huge story. And it was really one of those scandals that it felt like every day that something new, something else was coming out. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes when they do, when something like this becomes a sensation, you feel like you're just like beating a dead horse and it's just like this guy got caught cheating on his wife, like how many different ways, but then it would just be like another person and another person and another porn star and another person. And you just be like, Oh my God, like this is, this is such a far reaching conspiracy of of (laughs) adultery. I can't believe it. Uh, And I thought it was really interesting in the documentary, how they talked about it too, from the fact that like, it felt like such a big deal because tiger had this sort of squeaky clean personality and persona that he like projected out. And it felt like that was maybe why people were piling onto this so much because, you know, it was such a like distinct change from the tiger that we'd seen, you know, for the decades before. It was quite a time to be taking the train from Brooklyn into Manhattan for work and buying a New York daily news or a New York post at the subway station (laughs) because they mentioned, they say that like there were like more covers of the New York post dedicated to tiger than there were to nine 11. And I, it definitely feels like that was true. And, and Mm -hmm. that was a time of like these, um, there were a couple of clubs in New York. Griffin, where she worked, was one. Where Rachel worked was one. There was this place called One Oak, which I don't even know if it's still around. But like, it was basically like those were the epicenters of Page Six, and whatever okay. happened at those nightclubs, like the next Page Six would just have gossip emanating out of like scene <laughs> at One Oak without his wife, or like this person and this Rihanna and this person, or Leo and this person. So it was kind of a nostalgia trip there. Do you feel like you? Um, I don't know if like empathize is the right word but do you feel like you understand tiger any better after watching this documentary in a way you didn't before so i i feel like that in a couple of respects with the documentary like i thought the um stuff with dina was illuminating not necessarily like her insights so much but just the like the home videos and stuff that she shot of young tiger and the line she had where you know, post DUI when his mugshot came out and her watching that video and kind of contrasting the tiger she knew as a teenager with the tiger who, you know, was pulled over on the side of the road because he'd ingested, you know, five different prescription drugs. I thought that was really illuminating and really fascinating. And I thought some of what Rachel had to say about the fact that he just kind of wanted to talk all the time and was just like this fountain of like, word vomit almost because he didn't have people in his life that he could talk to. I thought that stuff was really interesting, but as far as sort of the rest of the affairs and um, things like that, I didn't really feel like I learned anything new necessarily. Yeah. I thought like the thing that really jumped out at me and I don't know if this is too cute by half or, or what, but this was the the first time that I kind of felt like I truly understood like the, the military training stuff. Yeah. And just how much that must have... Ag- I, I totally get like how that... I, and I don't know that we can possibly overstate that the greatest golfer of all time practically ruined his body trying to become a Navy SEAL at age 31. Like, mm-hmm. I don't... Like, is it... I, I feel like we should understand... Like, that should be talked about more. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I think I think it's fascinating that that is still sort of like a hidden chapter in Tiger's life. Like, like, don't get me wrong. Like when I heard Wright Thompson's voice come on in like the opening scenes of part two, I like fist pumped. Cause I was yeah. like, thank God we're going to like get into this. Like it's about time, but it still feels like 
you know, a thing that like Tiger just like won't acknowledge. And I'm curious if he kind of ever will, or will ever interrogate, you know, the reasons that he went and did something like that. But yeah, I mean, it's one of the craziest things I've ever heard, like in the sports realm, because especially for a golfer, yeah, he's a golfer. And in the early 2000s was still a time before I think the mass, like Twitter comes around and it's like, oh, eight. And that's when I think that people start like start really using social media in that way. But in the early 2000s, I feel like you could still, you would hear something like, yeah, Tiger Woods is training with SEALs and you would just kind of keep moving on with your day. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like people would be like, I need to know everything about this. Yep. I need to see videos of this. I, I'm like, I need to know, like, I need to have a sit down with everybody who thought this was a good idea. Like, where <laughs> is anyone in Tiger's life to be like, dude, you're going to destroy your body if you tr- try to train with SEALs. And the idea that he was going to quit, he, he, it's almost like this kind of like fantasy world of like, you know, like a Howard Hughes, Michael Jackson level of delusion about like what you should or shouldn't be doing with your time. Yeah. And also I found it fascinating that like the Navy SEALs allowed this. Yeah. Like, like what the fuck I, I were guess, those guys doing? <laughs> like, I guess when it's Tiger Woods, you, you kind of just let him do whatever he wants. But they even had that line in there where they were like, you know, when they were practicing and, you know, doing stuff in the kill house or whatever it was. And yeah. they were like, you know, you can, sh- you know, shoot him with the rubber bullets or whatever they were using anywhere on his body except for his hands and i was like okay so you know that like this could end really badly (laughs) and that you guys could be responsible for like messing up the rest of this guy's career but like you didn't take it the step further and think well maybe everything that we're doing with him here has the risk of doing that like that was stunning to me yeah i mean i thought that the connection that they made between tiger's training and his father and essentially like this being a way for him to grapple with his father's passing was was fascinating i the 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 movie itself the documentary i think compresses a lot of stuff like i remember a lot of this past decade up until you know his 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 most recent comeback for the masters just being full of lots of false starts mm-hmm. i think this documentary makes it seem like it was a much smoother process of like he was gone and then there was this video of him getting ready again and then he was back after rehab, you know, and it, yep. I felt like I remember a lot more like Tiger is Tiger had to leave after trying to practice like a, a practice round. Do you remember it more like that? Yeah, honestly, I feel like there's an entire documentary that could be done on his 2015 alone. Like they hinted at it with, you know, the chipping yips that he had and all yeah. of those kinds of issues. But they that I thought could have spent a lot. We could have spent a lot more time with. And also they didn't really mention the back fusion surgery until after they talked about his arrest. And I remember when he had that back fusion surgery, they were bringing in all these athletes who had had it before and said like, this ended my career. Like this was, this was it. They, I remember, you know, there being maybe a big piece on ESPN or somewhere where they had interviewed three or four former athletes who had to do something similar. And they were like, there's no way he comes back from this because like, this is how it messed up my back. This is how, you know, it changed my life. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, we see a little bit in there, like the clips of him chipping and the drive that he tweeted out and stuff like that. But like, like you said, it was so condensed into this one quick timeline that, you know, there, there was really a sense of like around the golf community that like, 
every time there was hope, it would come crashing back down. And oh we God. didn't really see any of that in, in the documentary. It was like, cause, and there was this compulsion for a few years, a few years that we've been working together too, where it was like, well, should you, should you write about Tiger going into this tournament? Like, should you be right. like a Tiger kind of, everything is still about Tiger. And then it would be mm-hmm. like, we knew he wasn't really going to be competitive. In fact, it didn't really feel that way until the Masters and... I, I got to say, like, just even the the footage that they did have of the Masters of in 19 and the way that they depict that, I like the hair on my arm stood up. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I cried again. I, I, I cry every time. <laughs> every time I watch footage of that, I cry. But it was, you know, that walk up 18, every time they flash over to his mom, I just, I lose it. Yeah. But the other thing they didn't talk about almost at all was his win in the tour championship. Right. Like, like that was the big thing, the big he's back and can actually win on this tour, like playing with the best of the best. And like they show the crowd following him and everything. But like, that is something that I really wanted more of like how, you know, pro other pros felt about that day, what it was like for them to watch it. Like all that kind of stuff. The shot of Kepka when Kepka's on the tee and everybody's Mm -hmm. losing it about Tiger's putt and Kepka like Mm -hmm. leaves the tee to go look. It's just like, that was such an amazing moment. It was really, really one yeah. of the coolest sports moments I've ever witnessed. And, you know, you get some stuff with Rocco Mediate and with um, Faldo. I thought... We, we need to talk about Rocco a little let's bit. Let's do after, it. Let's do this, it. But no, I, let's... I, he, he was my MVP of, of the second half of the stuff. He's but. great. And I, I think that that's one thing that the... If you're not going to have Tiger, I think one thing that this documentary really misses is his other, his other contemporaries. And yeah. I guess there is like, obviously the unwritten rule, like this is the last dance thing. Jordan does it. Jordan like says, okay, we're going to, we're going to do this. And first of all, I would love to have seen Tiger doing the iPad thing when any other golfer was like, I thought I had him. And Tiger was like, he didn't have me. You know what I mean? But I, I I felt like this documentary was missing the voices of some of Tiger's peers. Mm -hmm. I I very much agree. And one thing going along with that was Phil was missing almost entirely, except for, I think they talked about him in relationship to one of the masters wins and, you know, to reference the fact that Tiger's mom, like called him fat, you right. know, for fun, which is just <laughs> brutal. Um, but yeah, that was, that was like a really, really big hole for me is that whole tiger Phil, you know, Southern California rivalry. Well, in tiger's mind rivalry and then professional rivalry. I thought that could have, we could have spent a lot more time on that, but I was very happy to have Rocco Rocco's yeah. brief appearance in this, his unhinged fake phone call with the devil appearance. <laughs> I really needed that. I really needed it. So any, uh, what are your, some final thoughts? What, what were like some of your favorite moments that we didn't get a chance to talk about here? I thought, uh, there, there was this one Wright Thompson line that where he was talking about the relationship between Earl and tiger and called it Dr. Frankenstein and his oh, monster. Yeah. yeah. And I thought that was like, a really apt way to think of it that I'd never, you know, had never crossed my mind before, but it really was like what, like when they were discussing the fact that, you know, Tiger never really got to grow up as a human being. He just kind of grew up as a machine. I thought that was like a really fitting metaphor for him. Yeah. I thought, um, the way that the documentary at the end of the second episode started to really trace what was happening to him in the current moment all the way back to him being on like the Mike Douglas show with mm-hmm. his dad was pretty amazing. And I thought 
if anything, it was like almost like a tease. Like I wish, I wish it had felt like a little bit more momentous. Was there yeah. any character or any moment that you saw in the documentary or it didn't see that you think, I mean, I think you mentioned that 2015 could be a, a, a documentary of its own. Were there any other moments that you wish were expanded upon? Well, and, and this kind of goes back to me wishing that I had more time with this. I, I would have loved to have seen more about his relationship with his kids. And granted, this is all, you know, super fresh. Like his tournament with Charlie was just like a month ago and, yeah. you know, all of that kind of stuff. But I feel like the way he deals with Charlie is re- a really good juxtaposition for how his dad dealt with him. Like Tiger's very protective over Charlie, not, you know, letting him really give media interviews. Like his first major appearance was in this tournament where his dad was there with him. And I just find it really, really fascinating that going from, you know, Tiger who was out there on national television when he was two and is now trying to kind of protect his son in that way, I I think is really interesting. And is something if, if they do end up doing something larger than even this on Tiger in the future is something I would really be interested in learning more about. I think I was, I, I found myself actually fascinated by the National Enquirer stuff and would be mm-hmm. really into a large scale National Enquirer doc because for I, some of the, the sort of methods that that place engages in that were just like, oh yeah, that's just like, that's normal catch and release. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I thought that that like that crazy guy with the bow tie who was just like, I just yeah. followed Tiger around and like, you know, picked up the tampon of the his tampon. lover. Oh. And I was just like, this is, this is wild. Like I, I, so a national Enquirer doc, I think would be pretty, pretty incredible, especially if it was built around this story that they obviously played a huge part in, in pressing the matter. And like the fact that he does the men's fitness cover because Mm -hmm. it's owned by the same company that owns national Enquirer and they basically do a trade. It's, it was really well, harrowing. Then they send, and then they sent someone to Australia to yeah. track him and Rachel. To, to like follow Rachel. Was, yeah. That was wild too. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think that would be a really that's And that pre, that's right immediately before Tiger gives Elon the phone to talk to Rachel so yep. that Rachel can explain what she was doing in Australia and how she's not mm-hmm. having an affair with Tiger. Wild. Um, well, wild. Megan, thank you so much for joining me to talk about Tiger episode two. Uh, we'll have more TV concierge this week. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.